from the field to the film room to the war room. We've got you covered every step of the way as the road to the draft starts right now on BGN Radio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the BGN Draft Show. I am your host, Shane Half, and you can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at Shane Half NFL. I'm joined today by my co-host, a fellow draft enthusiast, Dives. Give him a follow on Twitter at Mr. Crockpot. Be sure to check out all of his scouting videos he's been putting out on Twitter. Uh, he is way ahead of me in this game. Uh, Dives, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. We're talking about a class tonight that is all over the place. Um, it, we're going to learn a lot after the upcoming NFL scouting combine in just a week. Um, but for real, man, uh, we might be we're, – we're, we're friends now, but by the end of this show, who knows what. So this is an interesting, interesting class. The a nugget we can drop right here without spoiling things and naming names is that this draft class truly is all over the place. The guy that I have number one is not in Mark or Dibes top five. The guy they have number one is not in my top five. And then we all have the same number two. So we're all over the place. Everyone is all over the place on this running back class. And we'll talk about that some. Uh, but before we do, uh, Mark is also here with us, my co-host on Chalk Talk. Give him a follow on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. underscore. Be sure to check out his Tough Cover radio show every Saturday. Mark, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I will preface the show by saying I do not have a running back in my top 70 this year. Uh, so that should give you a little bit of an insight on the position. But I think I have nine running backs in my top 100. So the number one guy that I'm going to talk about um, on this show, not a huge difference between guys that I won't even get to talk about um, that won't be my top five or my honorable mention. So just a little bit, I, it, we're doing this before the combine and I don't want to let the combine greatly impact my opinion on a player, especially at running back. We've seen what that can do with Kyron Williams in the past. Um, but uh, obviously when these margins are so close, there will be things that happen in the draft process that influence these rankings for me, for sure. Yeah, I will never forget talking myself out of Kyron Williams. I, I loved Kyron Williams. I had a little bit of concerns about his speed, and then when he didn't run the 40, I dropped him. And, of course, we all saw what Kyron Williams did with Los Angeles this year. So uh, hopefully not making that mistake again. So let's dive into it here. Uh, we're going to give you our top five running backs, one to five. We'll call out some honorable mentions, which may be a guy that just missed the cut. Maybe it's a guy that we just like on day three, but we'll call some of those out at the end. And so, Mark, I'm going to throw it to you here first. You and Dibes have the same number one, uh, but he's from your school. So I'll let you talk about Audric Estime. Yeah, Audric Estime is a guy who I, I've obviously watched more uh, than any other running back in this class, so I am a little biased when it comes down to that. Uh, but 5'11", 227, plays much bigger than that. You watch him, you'd think he's like 6'2", 240, um, which maybe you could point to that and say that's not going to be uh, – he's not going to look as dominant at the next level. But limited tread on the tires, uh, only two years as a contributor and only one as the real – full-time compliment starter back. Um, he was first in yards per carry in that year with a full-time compliment of starter carries. Uh, first time in, or first in yards per carry for running backs over 
200 plus attempts right there at 6.4 yards per carry 1500 total yards in 2023 after a thousand in 2022 29 touchdowns over the last two years um just great vision and a really really good one cut ability which makes a pretty deadly combo with the way that he's a brute force runner as well um i, I think for me he's pretty easily the best runner in this class when it just comes to just straight up running the football um, the reason that he's not a runaway number one guy f- f- for anyone really is because not a lot of receiving ability, or he at least hasn't, hasn't showcased a ton of receiving ability. But I think what he lacks in that, he makes up for in fantastic pass blocking. He had a 94.2 PFF grade overall uh, as a running back, which was third in college football. Uh, people always, uh, by the way, I'm back on the draft comparisons. I'm back in the draft comparisons mud, already getting the getting the piece that I'm going to write uh, later on this this offseason ready. Uh, and I've started with the running backs. People go to Jerome Bettis. Uh, be, with estimate because of the the Notre Dame tie to that, but he was like an inch or two taller and like thirty pounds heavier. It, it's funny to compare someone to someone when their son is literally in the draft process. But there's a lot of Frank Gore uh, to Audric Estime. All right, uh, Dibes, Estime's your number one too. Uh, what do you like about him? Yeah, I agree with everything Mark said. He touched on pretty much everything. Um, like I see this guy as like kind of a throwback running back. Um, I see him as a great counter punch to a team that already has, you know, a kind of a receiving running back like Kenny Gainwell. Um, I see the fit. I think he would be a great selection for the Eagles late day two if he's sitting there. Um, but I, I think he is one of the few running backs in this class that gives you true three down potential. Uh, at the next level, and that's why I'm so high on him. And um, Audra Gestime, I, I put shorts on the channel um, every single week, and he was one of my guys that uh, I thought consistently produced for Notre Dame um, from being a true downhill one-cut runner to flashing upside as a receiver to excellent pass protection. So he is my number one. Yeah, the pass protection's big. There's not a lot of good pass well, there's not a lot of good pass protecting running backs that come out in the draft. There's certainly not this year. Uh, and so that's something, you know, the Eagles obviously struggled with last year. Audric Estime could be a good fit. Uh the the thunder, if you will, to Kenny Gainwell's lightning for the Eagles. So he's definitely someone to keep an eye on there. Uh, for Philadelphia I had him at number six so he just missed for me Uh, if we were doing a top six show I would have been talking about him Uh, but I had him just barely outside my top five so Uh, the guy that I had number one is a guy that comes with some pretty big medical red flags uh, and that is Jonathan Brooks the running back out of Texas so uh, he was a four-star recruit coming out of high school he redshirted in 2021 and then I mean he didn't get much work in 2022 because he was behind Brian Robinson and Roshan Johnson that year. He only had 30 rushing attempts in 2022. In 2023, he became the lead back for Texas, and he had a great season uh, before he tore his ACL on November 11th, which is where those red flags come in. Uh, I try not to read too much into those because I just I always say I'm not in a position to know about character concerns, which I'm not saying he has, or medical red flags. There's people that know that. All I'm going by is what I'm seeing when I watch the guy play. And 
he's just so much fun to watch play. He's uh, six foot, 202 pounds. So he's a little small for his size, uh, but he is a very sudden runner. Like he's got excellent stop start ability. Uh, he is a plus as a receiver. And I think he's a decent pass blocker too. Like uh, he can chip and release. You can let him pick up blitzing linebackers and defensive backs. I thought he did a pretty good job there. And again, I don't think I'm going to say that about any other running backs on this show. Uh, he's got really good vision. I think he's at his best running outside zone where he can use his suddenness to find those cutback lanes. He can bounce it outside uh, and use his speed if he's able to get to the edge. Um, he, he he runs with really good balance through contact. Like For his weight, he's often able to bounce off guys and, and keep moving forward more often than you would expect. Uh he accelerates really quick. I, you know, I mentioned he's sudden, but he just explodes out of his cuts. Now, obviously he was injured in his only season as a lead back and he's going to be coming off that injury as a rookie. And I, he probably would, I mean, he'd probably be ready for the start of a regular season, but he's probably going to miss all the training camp and things like that. And that's never good. Uh, although we do know running back as a position, guys can typically step in right away. So, uh, he does have that slim frame, uh, I think he carries the ball loosely. He didn't really fumble a lot in college, but the NFL is a different story. So uh, I've got a second round grade on Jonathan Brooks. I think he would fit best in an outside zone scheme. Uh, neither of you guys have him in your top five. How far off do you have him? And is it mostly because of the injury? Yeah, for me, I had him RB7, and I probably would have him RB3 through five, somewhere in that range. Um, definitely would have him above Quorum, um, it, who I have at number five, spoiler alert. Um, I, I would definitely have him above him if he was fully healthy. The me for the issue with running back in general and the issue of why I always kind of devalue them in my rankings is because all I really care about is the rookie contract. And I think we've seen now with ACL injuries, whether it be Cam Makers, whether it be, um, you, you know, Brees Hall, whether it be a, a lot of guys we've seen now. They aren't, they aren't themselves right away. So even if they do get that form back in the, in the year after the ACL injury, usually takes about a half season before they start to look like themselves again. And that's if they don't get hurt in that half season leading up to that. So, and then we've also seen guys kind of, it changes who they are. So just, he wasn't a good enough or dominant enough player on tape for me to ignore the concerns of I don't think he's going to be who I need him to be in year one. And I only am going to have him for four years. And I also, what if he's not even as good as he was because of the injury, but I usually don't like to do the injury stuff, but an ACL or a knee thing with a running back feels more relevant to me. Yeah. I, I uh, hilariously, I have him also as my C, uh, running back seven uh, in my rankings, and I, I don't trust the Texas running backs. I just don't at this point because the, it's almost becoming like a running back factory, for better or worse. Like CJ Baxter, uh, Jaden Blue, they all looked terrific last year, um, and I, I feel like they're starting to really turn out some guys. Um, I don't know if that's because of the system. I don't know if that's because of the player. I don't know yet. I need more information. Um, but out of Jonathan Brooks, I think the upside is there. But I have a more of a day three kind of guy, um, a guy that's that's a good prospect, but not 
doesn't give you like a plus attribute uh, that some of my top five guys have. With uh, it's interesting you mentioned the system because I actually have that tab for a different player and a different system on why someone didn't make my top five. But Sark's system definitely is beneficial to be a running back in, and I think that was kind of part of why. And I, I was vocal about this last year. I didn't think Bijan Robinson was a generational running back prospect in the way that a lot of people did, um, and I think he looked a lot better than maybe he was because of that Texas system. And, and I think there's a little bit of that playing into that with me with, with Brooks as well dives. So I'm glad you mentioned that. All right. Well, there's our number ones that aren't on each other's top fives. <laughs> Let's go to the number two that we all have in common uh, dives. Talk to me about Bucky Irving, Bucky Irving, man, a uh, really fun prospect. I don't know if he's the best fit for the Philadelphia Eagles, mm-hmm. Uh, but he is pound for pound, uh, just a blast to watch, man. Uh, easily one of the most frustrating guys uh, to bring down if you are an opposing defender. Uh, elite change of direction ability. Uh, in the open field, man, he's got elite short area agility, just elite creativity. Uh, when this guy's in open space, man, uh, watch out. Uh, his athleticism is off the charts. Uh, he's able to hit a hole. He's able to get to his top speed instantaneously. Um, and he's a really good pass catcher. Uh, this is arguably the best receiver running back in this draft. Uh, he's, uh, you know, just uh, got soft hands. He's got good concentration. He's got some contested catch ability. Um, I think that's going to be the bread and butter of this guy. Uh, this guy's career early on. Um, I don't know if he's a three down running back, um, but that's going to be big time, uh, a big time trait for him, especially in fantasy football. If you're, if you're, you're into that, but uh, when you get to negatives, obviously the size and the frame, uh, he's small, uh, 5'10, 194 pounds. Um, he's not a good pass protector. Um, so I, I just think this guy's a baller, man. I think this guy is going to be kind of that change of speed back in a committee. Um, you know, that's going to obviously limit his ceiling for some NFL teams. But if you already have an, a north-south downhill runner and to add Bucky Irving to that list, uh, to that backfield, I think would be a really good selection in that day two area. Uh, Bucky Irving, man, was every bit a monster for the Oregon Ducks. And for me, I think... Um, he, he's one of those high floor prospects in this draft, uh, for a running back class that doesn't have a lot of them. Uh, so for me, Bucky Irving is great, a great, great, uh, prospect. Uh, I think he's going to dominate the, the scouting combine. Um, and I see him sometime in that day at round three, round four area. All right. Uh, Mark, I know you've been really high on Irving. I go back to the BGN draft show in season and the jump cut of his that you were just salivating over. Uh, what do you love so much about Irving? Yeah, it's the, it's the jump cuts. I mean, the, <laughs> the, the things he can do in the open field are just so incredible. He's an incredible receiver, soft hands, really good in the open field in terms of as a receiver as well. Um, he's someone uh, I think you could even like line up in the slot in certain packages and run plays for like that. A lot of Kyron Williams in Bucky Irving, to be quite honest. The one difference, 
It's a big difference. Is Kyron Williams is one of the best pass protecting running backs I've ever seen come out of college. Whereas Bucky is not in. It looks like he's not interested in pass protecting when he's blocking in that in that system. I actually had Bucky as my RB one uh, initially. The thing that I struggle with is, despite him being such a good receiver, is that going to be a problem being able to use him in those situations when he can't protect at all? Um, because when if that means he's in, it means you know that he's going out for a pass. It makes it a little bit easier to cover him out of the backfield. So that's why I do think maybe you split him out wide and you get him involved that way. But he's an incredibly, incredibly versatile player. I, I loved watching Bucky Irving at Oregon, and I think he made Bo Nix, uh, you know, I mean, I think he made his job a whole lot easier. Sure. Yeah, he he's not just like a check down guy. Like he can actually go run routes. And I think that's probably his best trait. But like you said, one of his worst traits is his pass blocking. And it's, I mean, to be honest at 195 pounds, it's likely always going to be a struggle for him to square up linebackers uh, and things like that. So uh, it's a guy that you're going to have to figure out how to use. And I I think he's electric to watch. He's not going to fit every team, uh, but he's an interesting player for sure. So, okay, let's get into our number threes, and I will lead us off here with uh, Trey Benson, who is my running back three out of Florida State. Uh, he is he was a three-star recruit <clears throat> who committed to Oregon. Then he had a major knee injury, like, and I mean a major knee injury in 2020. He tore his ACL, his MCL, his lateral and medial meniscus, and his hamstring. Uh, that's a bad day in the office. Uh He basically missed all of 2021 transfers to Florida state in 2022 rushed for 990 yards on 154 carries, nine touchdowns. He was PFF's 11th highest graded rusher in 2022. Then in 2023, uh, the yards per attempt came down a little bit, but he rushed for 906 yards and 14 touchdowns. He caught 20 passes for 227 yards and a touchdown. Almost 10% of his carries this season went for 15 plus yards, which is just kind of a wild stat. Uh, He's 6'1", 223 pounds, so he's got really good size. He's got really good speed and burst. Uh, He has great long speed. Uh, Reportedly ran a 4'3". We'll see at the combine, but... He wow. also, yeah, yeah, reportedly ran a uh, 4-3, but he also accelerates really quickly. I think he's a guy that the Combine's probably going to be huge for. Uh, he runs violently in the open field. He's not just a speed guy that tries to run around everybody. Uh, he is quite happy to run through you. But I think one of the most encouraging things for him is how much better he got in terms of like his vision from the beginning of 2022 to now. Um, he, he's really good at finding those cutback lanes. Florida state ran a lot, ran a lot of gap and zone schemes. And so he's operated out of both of them. I think he's a pretty scheme diverse guy. Uh, however, I will say he wasn't asked to pass block much, but in the few times he did, there's some pretty bad reps on film when he was asked to, uh, he's also not the most elusive runner. I feel like he doesn't like cut sharply. Like he doesn't change directions very sharply. Part of that is probably that size, that higher pad level. It makes it harder to do that. Um, but, you know, I, I think he's he's a fun player to watch. He's a guy that I have somewhere in like the late second round as well. Um, I, I don't think he'll go a lot higher than that just because I don't think any running backs really will this year. But Benson's a fun guy to watch. 
Uh, where did you guys have him? I have him at number four. Um, I, I think he's a very good prospect. I, I'm shocked that the 4-3 uh, report, um, that's going to be huge for him. Like I, I saw him more as quick than fast uh, as a prospect. Uh, Trey Benson, you know, you brought you brought up the medical history. He's not. I don't find him that explosive. Um, I, 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 I. He he's a guy that a lot of people are really high on, but I just don't see it. Um, he's a, a downhill runner. He's a guy that's going to give what the defenses kind of allow him. That's going to be his bread and butter at the next level. Um, the pass protection is not good. Um, I feel like he's overrated in some regards, uh, but that doesn't mean he's not a good prospect. I feel like all these guys are kind of in that same tier. Um, so as a day two guy, I'm just a little lower on him because of the lack of pass protection. I don't think he's a, as elusive as Audric Estime. Um, and um, he doesn't have the wiggle of Audric Estime who does like hurdles and things like that. So uh, that's why I'm a little bit lower on Trey Benson. But there are a lot of people out there that think he's the number one guy in this class and think he's a stud. All right. Uh, Mark, anything you want to add in on Esti- or on Estime, uh, on Benson before we move on? I'm not a, a big Trey Benson guy. Um, to me, there's a lot of Leonard Fournette there. Like, I, I think he's just not going to really excel in any area. Um, not a lot of pass blocking, not, not a lot of receiving, um, that at least on tape, that doesn't always mean you can't do it, but we can only judge based on what he's done realistically. Um, and, and then to me, I kind of agree with you guys with the lack of uh, elusiveness. He's just not a guy that jumps off the screen to me. Um, so when, when you, you know, couple, the, the lack of receiving, the lack of pass blocking with not jumping off the screen as a runner to me, um, even though the, the stats look pretty good. You know, the yards per carry, very good. Um, PFF grades, very good. Uh, so maybe I'm being unfair. Maybe he's capturing the stat sheet in a way that isn't coming to me on tape. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm willing to be wrong here. I have him at RB10. I, he's not. He's yeah. definitely not someone I'm, I'm all that interested in. All right. Well, let's talk about a guy you are interested in. Your number three uh, is running back Ray Davis. Uh, so take it away, Mark. And this is someone who's going to be like RB10 for a lot of people. So, no, I, I, I'm really high on Ray Davis. I love Ray Davis. Yeah, he's a guy that I, I loved watching at Kentucky and maybe like just as maybe had the best year last year of any of these guys. I, I think he was so good in 2023 and at least maybe if not the best year, he was the most important to his team last year. He was the absolute, you know, motor of that Kentucky offense. And, and he was really, really fun to watch. 5'10, 216. Um, yeah, in 2022, he had 1,044 yards, really bad yards per carry, honestly, four and a half yards per carry. That O line was really, really bad. Bad offensive coordinator, Eddie Grant, who I think actually just got hired um, to something in the NFL recently. And the tweet was like, oh, he's really good, you know, really good coach from Kentucky. And it's like, oh, they really needed to get rid of him. Um, and then he, so he had an 82.7 PFF grade in 2022, but he was way better in 2023. Only had about 100 more yards, but he had a 5.7 yards per carry, 14 touchdowns as opposed to five. In both years, though, he really excelled as a receiver. 29 catches 
2022, 32 catches in 2023. That doesn't sound all that, you know, like, oh, it doesn't sound like he had 60 catches. But Kentucky's offense isn't exactly doesn't exactly like the world on fire in general. I mean, you, we know that from watching Will Levis tape from last year. So that's actually a pretty good amount of catches for that offense. And he really impressed people at the Senior Bowl, especially with his hands. People were saying he looked like a wide receiver um, coming out of the backfield with how good his hands were. There's some Rashad White in him. And if I was going to, you know, if I'm going to get a little lofty, there's maybe even some Dalvin Cook with him. Like, I, I really do think he it could be a really, really good player at the next level. Uh, one negative, really old. It's like 24. Um, so not exactly, maybe not a lot of untapped potential to be had um, with Ray Davis. So, uh, it's definitely something that that factors in. There's another running back on my list that's that's a little older as well. That's probably holding me back from being a little higher on them. Such as same with Ray Davis. You could argue that I might like Ray Davis more than Bucky Irving if he was 21. All right. I like Ray. I like Ray Davis a lot. I have him number eight, right below Jonathan Brooks. Um, and for a lot of the reasons you just said, like there's, and we just talked about Trey Benton, like. There's not that much difference between Ray Davis and Trey Benson. Like, they're all kind of in that same tier for me. So I'm really high on uh, Ray Davis. It is the same issue as Bucky Irving, though. Not good in pass protection, really. Like, so it's really good receiver, not great in pass protection, going to be an issue and how he can get used. You know, both of them are going to have to get better at that. Yeah. All right. Uh, Dives, that brings us to your number three. Talk to me about Jalen Wright. All right, one of the most underrated running backs in this class by far. Uh, Jalen Wright um, is a really fun prospect, extremely efficient, uh, rushed for over 1,000 yards, uh, 7.4 yards per carry last year. He's got lightning quick feet, um, and uh, this is one of the more athletic uh, running backs in this class. Uh, He's improved every year in Knoxville the last three years. Um, in terms of uh, ball security, in terms of balance, in terms of burst, top end speed. Like he's, uh, I feel like he's just gotten better and better as a running back. Um, I, I feel like he's climbing the draft boards and nobody really knows about him. Um, and he's a really fun prospect uh, to watch. He's even shown improvement as a pass blocker. He's just a well-rounded running back. Um for Tennessee, just like another cornerback out of Tennessee, Kamal Haddon, who is another criminally underrated cornerback prospect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jalen Wright, um, weaknesses-wise, he doesn't have a lot of mass. Um, he's only like 210 pounds, 5'11". Um, doesn't have that like Bucky Irving change of pace, change of speed ability. Um, but for me, like I think what what – makes him shine is the combine. I think he's going to really dominate the upcoming scouting combine. I think he's going to run somewhere in like the four threes. Uh, He's that fast. And I think people are going to start finally realizing how good this guy is. Uh, He doesn't have a lot of tread on his tires. He's a stellar pass blocker. He's got super high receiving upside and he's only 21 years old. He just turned 21. So there's a there's this is one of those like kind of home run swing developmental guys uh, with a lot of with a high ceiling where like you look at the list on the board here. A lot of those guys are more high floor guys, 
I think Jalen Wright has got a bigger ceiling than a lot of the guys we just talked about. Uh, so Jalen Wright out of Tennessee is uh, just criminally underrated in this class. Okay. I thought Mark was about to say something. There. I thought you were too. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I have Wright as my RB6, so he, he just missed out here um, for me. And the reason, honestly, is – I'm starting to get a little. I'm starting to get a little skeptical of Tennessee's offense. Uh, they're so efficient. <laughs> Everyone breaks like records with their efficiency. Like I might have even gotten tricked a little bit with it last year with Jalen Hyatt um, uh, and even Cedric Tillman to to a lesser degree. Neither really. I don't know. Maybe maybe Shane can correct me. I, I wouldn't say neither really jumped off the page in their first NFL season. Jalen Hyatt had a couple moments here and there. Pretty bad situation, but. Um, I, I don't think that – I guess I shouldn't base anything on Tennessee's offense negatively based on those guys such so new into their careers. But uh, even dating back to Josh Heupel's days at UCF, it feels like his offenses are just so uber efficient that it's hard for me to even grade. It's like I almost have to grade his guys on a curve. I mean, great system that they run in Tennessee. But I, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous that, that that system might just be a little bit of one. You know, like back in the day – when Case Keenum would throw for like 8,000 yards at Houston with like 800 touchdowns in a season, and he would go in like the seventh round, or like Colt, Brun Colt Brennan at Hawaii. I might have to start treating Tennessee like that a little bit. Yeah, I remember talking about that last year with Hendon Hooker mm -hmm. uh, about the system. I didn't apply it as much to the receivers, but uh, I'm sure there's a bit of both at play because – you know, for everything, you know, the Giants had a terrible quarterback situation this year. So it's a little hard with Jalen Hyatt. Cedric Tillman was in Cleveland. He didn't have a much better quarterback yeah. situation uh, with the Browns. So, uh, but yeah, that's fair. They were kind of desperate for someone to step up though. And he, and he didn't Correct. really, he didn't really step up. I can't believe Mark just said that. Hyatt was your boy. That was I know. Guy. I love him. I, I, I still I still hold out hope. I, I still hold out hope. But I, I felt like they were also desperate for someone to step up, and he, he didn't really. But also, he had Tommy Cullis and Tyrod Durham. I'm already the Giants are an experiment, and what if we had seven slot receivers? Yeah, no that's receivers. part of the problem. <laughs> and no quarterback. Uh, to be the part of the problem with that argument for me is that I was pretty bullish on the fact that I thought Hyatt could be an outside receiver, but nevertheless. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I forgot that. I Yeah, that was a bad take, Mark. <laughs> All right, that gets us through our top three. It gets us dives number four as well. We will keep chugging along here. Uh, I'll lead us off with number fours uh, with Blake Quorum, who Mark is booing. Uh, Blake Quorum was the 2019 Gatorade High School Player of the Year for Maryland. Mark, put some respect on his name. Uh, he's on my list. <laughs> <laughs> He was he's a four-star recruit committed to Michigan. Uh, he is 5'8, uh, 213 pounds, so he's really short, eighth percentile height, 49th percentile weight. Uh, he was a first team All-American in 2022, third team All-American in 2023. Uh, his yards per carry have dropped every year. He was a major starter starting in 2021 at 6.6 .6, uh, to 5.9 in 2022 to 4.8 in 2023. Uh, so that is something that, you know, uh, might bear watching. But I think he's got excellent vision. Uh, he hits the hole consistently. And I think he stays really tight to his blockers and kind of uses them, like positions them between himself and the linebackers. He's able to outmaneuver them. He's a very patient runner. 
Um, he's taken a lot of snaps in zone and gap schemes. He's been under center. He's been in shotgun. He's a well, uh, well-rounded running back. And I think he's got good lateral agility, so he can sort of evade defenders. Uh, but he he's got 675 carries at the collegiate level. He's got 56 receptions, so he's got well over 700 career touches. That's not ideal necessarily because we talk about how running back running backs don't last long and he's got a lot of carries, a lot of wear and tear. Uh, he also has an injury history he tore his MCL in late 2022 that caused him to miss the postseason. Uh, I think he's, <clears throat> he's kind of sluggish as an accelerator uh, and he's not a tremendously powerful runner. He's a bad pass protector too. Most of it's technique. Like I feel like he identifies who he should block well and he's willing his techniques just bad. Uh, and overall, like, He's just got a certain ceiling because of his size, that eighth percentile height and his relatively lesser athletic ability. So um, he's my running back four. Uh, I think he would be better in a gap scheme than his own scheme, but I think you could put him in either one. I think he goes, you know, kind of late mid to late day two, somewhere in the third round, probably. Uh, but Blake Quorum, I don't know. He's not exciting, but I think he's a solid player. Yeah, it's it's he's the face of the Harbaugh era, you know, of, of Michigan, or at least the successful version of the Harbaugh era. His three years, you know, that he was a contributor, they went to the playoff each year, uh, won the title, obviously, in his last year. Funny thing about that is he actually had his worst yards per carry in PFF grade in 2023 uh, when he had 27 touchdowns and helped them win the title. Um, 56 rushing touchdowns in the last three years with 3,700 rushing yards. So definitely a lot of tread on the tires. So you could look at that as a negative, but obviously you look at the production as a positive. I wish he was more or had more receiving uh, on tape, but uh, I think there's a chance he just wasn't asked to do it a ton. When you look at what he did do, when you watch it, feels like he was pretty natural. Um, feels like he could be really good at it. If that's something he was asked to do more, to be honest. Um, but again, just like Ray Davis, older 24 year old prospect. So um, I, I have a stat with my next player that I'll talk about that relates to Blake Corum um, that, that I saw that I thought was interesting and kind of plays on, on the, the age factor of it. But Blake Corum, I think he's someone who you can expect to be someone who can play a role on your team immediately when you draft him. All right. Dibes, anything you want to chip in on Corum? He's solely on my list. I think at number five, just because he's a winner. Like I can't, I am not a Blake Corum guy. I haven't been for quite some time and he's proved me wrong over and over and over again. Um, but I just struggle to find out like what his role is in the NFL um, given his lack of pass protection. Um, but I mean, you can't deny production. Um, yeah. Shane, you, you brought up the yards per carry decrease, but He's a winner, um, and he's on my list because um, uh, he keeps, you know, doing exactly what I don't expect him to do. Uh, I, I always thought Donovan Edwards was a better prospect than him, um, but here we are. All right. Um, let's keep it rolling here then. Uh, just saying, the Chargers are going to absolutely draft Blake Corum now that they hired Har Harbaugh, but – there's anyway. a lot of mid-round Michigan guys. It is astounding 
how many Michigan guys I have ranked between like 50 and 100 on my list. So, I mean, they're going to be rumored for all those guys for sure. They're just going to trade out of the first round and accumulate mid-round picks and get them all. <laughs> Recreate the Michigan Wolverines. With all Justin right, Herbert. Uh, Mark, talk to me about Braylon Allen. This guy's a monster among uh, among running backs. I mean, <laughs> six foot two. I, I have him at two forty five here. The graphic says two thirty five. Maybe he put on some pounds. Three year contributor, but he just turned twenty like days ago. Just turned twenty. Um, so the the fun stat that I mentioned with Quorum, NCAA production before turning twenty years old. Blake Quorum, twelve carries, thirty three rushing yards, and two touchdowns. Braylon Allen, five hundred ninety seven carries. 3,500 yards and 35 touchdowns. So maybe you could make the argument that we got to see what Braylon Allen had at such a younger age that there's even more untapped potential. Um, whereas Blake Corum, Ray Davis, guys like that, maybe they are what they are. Um, when it comes to Braylon Allen, he was remarkably consistent for his three-year college career. Doesn't get hurt, gains about 1,300 yards, scores about 11 or 12 touchdowns. Um, he did improve on his receiving ability throughout his time at Wisconsin. Um, he was an amazing pass blocker. The, the question really is, could he be you know, a poor man's Derrick Henry, or is he more A.J. Dillon? Where I think he's like a Brandon Jacobs. Brandon Jacobs. Yeah, I think he's faster than Brandon Jacobs. Like The, the problem that I have with Allen is all the guys that – that those big bruising kind of like vol touchdown vulture type guys. Um, I, I think he's more than them. I, I think he has more wiggle. I think he has more to his rushing ability. Um, uh, and he's such a violent runner. I, I just, I love watching Braylon Allen play. He's another guy who was an excellent um, high school prospect. One of the better high school prospects Wisconsin's ever gotten. If I'm not mistaken, um, at the time, I remember Wisconsin fans were losing their mind, when, it, and that's why he played so young as a freshman, because he was such a huge prospect. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be really interesting to see. You don't see a lot of guys like Braylon Allen. I'm rooting for him. All right. Uh, Dibes, anything else you want to chime in on Braylon Allen? I know he was on your list, too. Yeah, what you see is what you get. Um, he is a freight train. Uh, that's that's what he is. If you're looking for a third down back to get you short yardage, goal line, um, and you got to think as a, if I'm Howie Roseman, he's got to be pretty a lot higher on this list because that's exactly what they need, that downhill runner uh, to move the chains. He would be a great addition for the, for the birds. All right. So there you have it. Our top fives, uh, uh, I went one to five, Jonathan Brooks, Bucky Irving, Trey Benson, Blake Corum, Braylon Allen. Uh, Mark went one to five, Audric Estime, Bucky Irving, Ray Davis, Braylon Allen, and Blake Corum. And Dives went one to five, Audric Estime, Bucky Irving, Jalen Wright, Trey Benson, and Blake Corum. Like we said, running backs are a little bit all over the place. Uh, and we would see a lot of these names that got left out on everybody's list if we extended to a top 10. But we did not. So uh, before we get out of here, though, we're going to give you guys a couple honorable mentions. Uh, this can be somebody that we like as a day three fit to the Eagles or a guy that just barely missed the cut or just somebody that really popped during the college football season that didn't make it into the show. Uh, Dives, I'll throw it to you first. Uh, 
give me an honorable mention or maybe a couple guys that you really like that just didn't make your top five. There, there's there's several. Um, you know, Cody Schrader's nice. Uh, Rasheen Ali is nice. I did Isaiah Davis is nice. But the guy that popped off tape for me and I think is one of the most or underrated sleeper picks of day three. He is Amani Bailey out of TCU. Uh, the guy is extremely quick. Um, he had over 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns, 5.4 yards per carry in 2023. Um, <laughs> he was their bell cow uh, last year. He had uh, 100 yards six different times. He had 25 catches for 184 yards. But when you watch this guy uh, as a prospect, man, the way he hits a hole, his acceleration from zero to 60 is different, man. It's just different. Uh, It it looks like a man among boys, the way he is able to one cut and just hit a hole and he's gone. He is gone. Uh, So Imani Bailey... Um, looks like that Pacheco type of running back uh, that I feel like no one's talking about. That could be one of the surprise prospects in this draft. Like weaknesses wise, he doesn't give you a lot of pass protection. Um, he, you know, he's not a powerful runner. He often goes down on first contact, but this is your prototypical kind of like home run hitter. Uh, a, a guy that, you know, if you're looking for, um, someone with untapped third down potential guy with a lot of, not a lot of tread on the tires. I think Amani Bailey is a, a great prospect. He he could possibly be that like Boston Scott replacement uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I love this guy. Uh, make sure you check out Amani Bailey. All right. Uh, I also have a guy I want to give an honorable mention to. Uh, it is Kamani Vidal running back out of Troy. Now, if you've watched the show all throughout the season, uh, you heard me talk about him and pick him as a player of the week once, but uh, he's, he was, he's, I mean, obviously he's at Troy. He wasn't highly acclaimed coming out of high school, just a three-star recruit. But one of the things that sticks out is uh, he is Troy's all-time career rushing leader at 4,010 yards. Uh, He also holds four of the top five single game marks for Troy in terms of rushing yardage. Uh, he's, he's just fun to watch. Uh, I, I like to root for these small school guys. Uh, he's got good lateral agility, uh, not afraid to lower his shoulder and run through tackles. I think he's got really good vision. Um, he gets to his top speed quickly and, and he had 92 receptions during his time at Troy. So he's dependable out of the backfield. I wouldn't say he has like a full route tree, but he runs a nice wheel route. That's kind of his, his really good you know, threatens the flat, snaps that upfield, and he can get behind uh, linebackers and man coverage. However, and this is part of the reason he's at Troy, it's part of the reason he's probably going to be a day three pick. He doesn't really have like that extra gear to hit home runs. He consistently will like get good gains, but he's not going to, you know, hit a lot of 50 yard uh, touchdowns. So uh, he also has a strong preference to bounce runs outside, which I find interesting because he's not like a big speed guy. And those are typically the guys that do that. But uh, he's probably maxed out like physically at his height and weight. He's five, seven, which is second percentile, but 215 pounds, which is 55th percentile. 
Um, but I do think he's a guy that has a chance to stick in the league for a long time as like a role player and like a core special teams player. Uh, so he's a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, I hope he's able to carve out a role in the league, but he's going to be more than likely a day three pick. So that's my guy. Love that. You like, you like Vidal? Yeah, I have him as uh, I have him as RB nine. Um, so I, I really like Vidal. I, I tweeted about him actually. And I think his dad or his brother or something <laughs> was, was like, you guys know that. And that's, I, we all love that in NFL draft season. Um, yeah, he is some does pass protection. He actually graded out as the number one um, pass protector on PFF uh, for running backs. Nice. Nice. All right. Uh, Mark, uh, give me your honorable mention. Who do you have? My honorable mentions, Will Shipley um, from Clemson, who uh, college football fans will know the name because he's played in a lot of big games at Clemson. Six foot 195, a three-year contributor there, very consistent on a yards per carry, PFF grade basis, above yard, above five yards per carry each year. Um, 84 catches over the last three years, 33 touchdowns in, in that span. He was a high-level five-star prospect coming out of high school to come to Clemson, which is why he was a starter right away um, in, in 2021. Didn't grade out well in 2023 as a pass blocker, but did in, in years before that. Um, so it, it's it also when you watch him on tape, I think he holds up, holds his own. Um, he's not exactly he's not tiny or anything um so it's not something that i'm all that concerned about at, at the next level to be honest so i, I think he can hang in, in that environment um so he's a guy who i think can definitely be used in packages on third down as a passing downs back um and, and he's a guy who i reminds me a lot of travis etn and, and you know that's an easy comp to make because he was at clemson but i think etn obviously had way loftier stats way better yards per carry numbers i think that was partially because Trevor Lawrence was unbelievable and Kate Klubnik and DJ Uyungle, not so much. All right. So there you guys have it. Our top running back rankings, uh, along with a few honorable mentions, we have now done uh, interior defensive line. What other position quarterback quarterback, interior defensive line and running back. So if you guys missed any of those episodes, be sure you go back and check those out. We also did Senior Bowl, winners and losers. We did an Eagles four-round mock draft. Next week, we are going to be back. We're going to break down the top edge rushers in this class. If there's any team that loves to draft defensive linemen, it is the Philadelphia Eagles. With the Hassan Reddick trade rumors swirling, uh, could an edge rusher be on the table early in the draft for the Eagles? We'll talk about it next week, and we'll break down the top guys for the position. That's going to do it for this episode of the BGN Draft Show. Uh, make sure you are following these guys on Twitter. Uh, Mark is at Mark Henry Jr. Dibes is at Mr. Crockpot. Uh, they put out great stuff, a lot of draft content, so make sure you check that out. Dibes has been putting out videos on the BGN YouTube page. Uh, if you are not following those, make sure you go subscribe to the BGN YouTube page and you can check out all of his videos there. Uh, we will catch you guys next week for another episode of the BGN Draft Show. Go Birds. <laughs>